and welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. I'm Daniel Connolly here with Megan Gower. We are through our first stretch of 2022, our first really consistent stretch of games this entire season. And at the end of it, we can say with certainty, with clarity, that we have no idea what we can take from these four games. None (laughs) whatsoever. This team continues to be... I don't even actually have a word there. I, there's no way to figure this team out because they continue getting snake bitten. They continue having really bad luck. It's just one thing after another. And there is no way of really having a firm judgment on their progress. That is my number one take on the show is that after four games, after, I don't know, how many are we in now? 12, 13, 14? I think that might've just been game 14. Somewhere around there. We still don't really have a good grasp of what this team is because you have the page times, then you have the post page times, but after Chris or before Christmas when they weren't playing consistent games, and then you have the COVID times, and now you have whatever you want to call these times where you get four games and I'd say three completely different types of performances and results. So I think the best place to start would be the most recent game a 13 point loss to Oregon that felt much further apart than it actually was. You kind of had a quick little seven Oh run to close the game that turned it into a 13 point game instead of a 20 point game. It was pretty much 20 points for a lot of that game though, or it was at least out of hand for a long time in that game for UConn. But there is a pretty good reason for that. UConn didn't have Kristen Williams in that game. About an hour and 15 before tip-off, UConn announced that she had entered COVID protocols and wouldn't be playing. No other players or coaches as of now, as of Wednesday, have been affected. We don't have much of an idea of what her timetable for return is. UConn found out on Sunday, so they had a little bit of time to prepare. seemed like it was just a little bit of a gamesmanship, not letting Oregon know that you weren't going to have Kristen Williams. But in the end, it didn't matter. Yep. I mean, I think it is what it is, right? Like there's just only so much you can take from this game, especially not having Kristen Williams. That's like one of their main options without Paige Beckers on the floor. So I think going into a a team like Oregon, which I know everyone's like, oh yeah, it's an unranked team, but like it's a team that's going to be in the top 25 this coming week. It's probably actually a top 15 team and then trying to beat them with now your two best players and one of your best options off the bench, not in your lineup. It's going to be a tall task. Even just when you look at what the composition of UConn's roster is, you have three guards, one of whom Nika had only played 25 minutes max since coming back and then had to go all 40 minutes. And even just in that alone, playing 40 minutes, That's not where her strength lies. Her strength is doing the things that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. If you're asking her to start scoring points, you're asking her to be the number one point guard. You're getting into a bit of a tight spot. That's just not who she is as a player. She's a very, very good role player for this team, which is fine. That just means she's not great when she gets thrown into a brighter spotlight, especially on such short notice without Kristen Williams. What we saw from Kristen Williams in the last two games is I think what we've expected from her from a long time, basically since she stepped on campus where she's doing everything and she's their best defensive 
perimeter player. She's scoring, she's getting steals, she's assisting, she's rebounding. She was doing so many things. Now all of a sudden you take that, you lose that at the last second and you get Nika, who's someone that is really good at passing, really good at defense, really good at bringing energy. But again, not someone who you want to be asking to shoot the ball a ton, not someone that has historically for UConn been a really good scorer, which again is fine. It just leaves you really shorthanded. It's basically like UConn was playing its entire game with a hand behind its back on Monday. So it's not really that much of a surprise that the result ended up being pretty lopsided. Maybe it was a little wider than I would have expected it to be during the pregame. I think I predicted a loss somewhere in single digits. But the way it resulted and the way it ended up playing out, none of it was really all that surprising. Yeah, exactly. I think you would have hoped that people might have stepped up a little bit more and they could have kept it closer. I, but like the fact that they lost is definitely not surprising. And ultimately, yeah, it's going to be a little worse than you would have hoped for, but it's still... It's not surprising that they lost it by 13. I think there's really one firm thing that you can take out from a team perspective here, because a lot of what happened in this game, I think was amplified and was made worse by Kristen Williams, not being out there. Like the defense struggled and the defense struggled in part because the offense was having trouble scoring points and the offense was having trouble shooting. Well, Both of those things are directly tied to Kristen Williams not being there. With Kristen, you have another shooter out there. You just have another threat that Oregon has to pay attention to. They were all over Caroline Ducharme. It felt like whenever she touched the ball, there was a defender right on her. She went one of eight from three. Most of her success on offense actually came from the inside where she was posting up, getting the ball in the lane and scoring that way or driving to the rim. They were so tight on her shooting that it was tough for her to get a whole lot. Avina Westbrook in a really tough slump right now in a really bad funk, probably the worst of her UConn career had trouble hitting shots too. But when you basically have two dangerous shooters that the defense has to pay attention to, it's a lot easier to shut them down in post game. Gino made a comment about Caroline didn't shoot well. Avina didn't shoot well as he's going. I'm thinking, yeah, okay. Both those two things check out. But then I think he started talking. Dorka didn't shoot well. Aaliyah didn't shoot well. (laughs) And when you're getting to the point where if your bigs aren't shooting well from the perimeter, you're in deep trouble. It just goes to show you how shorthanded you are, how much of a bind you're already in. And then defensively, when you can't score, it makes things so much harder on the defensive end. And I think something we've seen pretty consistently this year is UConn is a good team. On the defensive end, I think you could maybe even argue that they're a very good team defensively, but they are by no means an elite defensive team that can single-handedly win you games. That's just not who they are. That's not who they were last year when they were playing really well defensively. That's not who they're ever going to be. They're just not one of those suffocating UConn defensive teams, which again, it's fine. You can win a lot of games that way. You can even win a national championship that way. You just can't do it when you are down so many players, so many backcourt players. And again, Kristen, their best perimeter defender, she probably would have had a big part in slowing down Tahina Pow-Pow. Pow-Pow had 22 points. Sedona Prince had, I believe it was 12 or 14, but almost all of those came in one quarter. Every other player for Oregon, except one scored, but they were all in single digits. 
if you don't have pow pow scoring at that high a clip being the leading scorer, then suddenly it's probably a lot harder for Oregon to find the net too. So it just makes everything so much worse when you don't have Kristen Williams out there, especially the way that Kristen Williams had been playing leading up to the game. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's so hard to take so much from this game because it's a different game with uh, Kristen Williams. I'm not saying they win the game with Kristen Williams because who knows what would have happened, but it's just, it's hard to take a lot away when you're missing such a big piece from this team, especially like when you start picking up Paige and AZ, like Kristen Williams kind of is like the biggest piece on this team that you're going to be looking to. So without her, it's, it's just really difficult to take away. I think you saw it, like you said, on the defensive end with that, she would have definitely been guarding to hit a pow pow. That doesn't happen. You know, the defensive end in her shooting and also like her playmaking too. This team, I mean, we'll get to the turnovers in a second, but like they turned the ball over a lot. The playmaking just wasn't quite there in the game. And Kristen Williams is a player that has that aspect of her game too. So not having her on the floor there hurts them as well. So as much as the offense did not look good, I think it's it's hard to take a lot away from that. It's almost like you need good players to be a good team. <laughs> it feels like a very simple concept that a lot of people seem to be struggling with at this point. There is one thing that I think was really clear in the game that doesn't have a ton to do with personnel, the turnovers. Gino said it a few weeks ago. Was it? I think it was actually after the Louisville game that they're consistently their wor- own worst enemy. They make so many bad decisions with the ball sometimes. They make so many unforced turnovers and errors. Yeah. It helps when you got someone like Paige Beckers out there, but at the same time, it's still the same players making these decisions. And maybe it's a little different. Avina Westbrook isn't super comfortable as a point guard. So it's a little natural that maybe she makes a few more mistakes in that role than she would normally in her two guard spot or even playing at the three, but you just can't be turning the ball over that much. Caroline Ducharme, a freshman, you have to expect the mistakes, but there's still some times where she's just not careful enough with the ball. She tries to force something that's not there. She just doesn't protect it on the dribble enough. Nika turns it over four times. You can't have that from your pass first defense first point guard. She's got to be the one that really takes care of the ball. I thought that was something that could have very easily been fixable or at least limited. And if they did that, then we're really talking about, okay, you can just completely flush this one. You don't even have to take anything bad away from it because they were so shorthanded. But the turnovers, regardless of the personnel, you can always control turnovers. I mean, to a certain degree, if you had no guards out there and you're turning it over every single time you try and bring the ball up against a press, that's different. But when you have enough to field a reasonable looking roster, you just can't have that many turnovers. Gino said it post game. And that's really the one thing in terms of the full team that I feel like doesn't really relate to who was out there because that needed to be better regardless. And it wasn't. Yeah. 100% agree with that. The turnovers have continued to be a problem and they were a problem. Even when Paige Beckers was on the floor, maybe not as glaring of a problem, but they still were a problem for this team. So that has to be fixed. I think, I mean, when you look at the Oregon game, they turn the ball over 19 times, Oregon turned that into 21 points. So that's a lot of where your problems were, were on defense is that a lot of those balls or turnovers were live ball turnovers that they just couldn't get back in time to defend. It also just felt like the whole game with the turnovers, they 
like Liv would have position inside and they just like were like a step late and trying to get her the ball and it would get turned over. Um, so hopefully, I mean, that's something that feels like a very like kind of thing that you can point to. So hopefully something they can work on and practice and kind of correct quickly, but definitely I think it's just a general area that things have to get cleaned up. I'm curious how much of a factor, just the accumulated hits, Gino called them gut punches that are just nonstop have also been on this team psyche because he talked about earlier in the year, how he really wanted them to be more mentally tough and mental toughness was a big focus. And I feel like at a certain point, it's hard to continue with that because you can take one punch, you can take two punches, you can take three punches, but when you're just continually getting beat down day after day, the cycle of bad news continues, especially coming off your best week of the season, probably with Creighton Butler and Xavier, you're feeling pretty good. And all of a sudden you get cut out from the knees again for, it feels like the millionth time this year, you just, when, when you can't seem to get a break, I wonder if it just, it becomes that much harder to deal with the punches and to deal with the negative that comes with everything that's happened and how much you could really blame them for feeling like that. Because at the end of the, the day, they are still college kids. And does the weight just become too much that you turn the ball over once and it just starts to snowball throughout the game. Then all of a sudden you go, you get out to this 10 point lead, but then Oregon comes back. They have the lead at the end of the first quarter and it just keeps building. And one thing starts going wrong. You make a couple bad turnovers and there goes Oregon. All of a sudden you've given up six points in a row and you haven't even had a set up defense for it. And your shots just aren't falling. And one thing starts to break and it just leads into the next and the next and the next it really felt like the ultimate snowball game where all UConn's bad problems just continued to get worse throughout the game. And I think we're probably at a point where I don't really even blame them because it's been a brutal month for them. It's been a brutal year, but especially this last month with the COVID and the cancellations and now Kristen being out, it's just been nonstop bad for this team, aside from a nice little break against mostly Butler and Xavier. I wonder how much that was a factor in it too. Yeah. I mean, I think it has to, I don't know how it doesn't play a factor. Like you can be as mentally tough as you want. Like it's still going to take a toll on you. And I think it probably came a little bit out in that Oregon game, especially, I mean, on top of that, they traveled across the country on like a two day turnaround. It's just, it's a lot all at once. I think that, that, you know, that's something you don't talk about is like the mental toughness, but also just like trying not to be out there with like this, you know, glazed look on his face, that it, on your face that he's, he sees in a lot of teams around the country. But like, I don't think you can blame all these teams that got the glazed look on their face, too. I think everyone can relate to the fact that it's been a really rough two years. So the way every one of us feels at work and everything else is probably at least get their feeling on the court, too. I don't know if this is unanimous or not, but from just generally hearing people talk like on TV or on the radio or seeing tweets, especially around new years, it almost feels like everyone had a way worse time in 2021 than they did in 2020, because I think in 2020, it was kind of, I don't know how much of a collective effort it was, but it was like, okay, we all have to get through this. We're all getting new hobbies for what to do while we're home. Oh, I'm now a plant parent. I started painting. I'm learning a new instrument. 
I know I'm missing a big pandemic activity. I got an air fryer. I think that was the one I was looking for. Those type <laughs> of things. <laughs> yeah, where everyone had their new thing going on. And <laughs> even if things weren't going okay, you were at least plastering over it with your new painting set or your new adult coloring book or whatever you were doing to pass the time. And now you switch and it kind of feels like it's just been going on so long that it's hard to do that same thing. So it's really hard to fault anyone, whether it's a team, whether it's normal people, whether it's listeners, fans, anything like that for having that glazed look on their face, because it's been punch after punch for everyone too, not just this UConn team. I mean, their luck has been really bad. That's not to, to discount their struggles because look, it's been a season from hell for them that anything that they complain about is very much deserved, but yeah, just in general, it feels like it's been rough for everyone and it just happens to be rougher for UConn right now than most others. Yeah, exactly. I just think everyone deserves a little bit of slack after the last two years that we've had, but in particular, this team has obviously just had a really, really difficult couple of months and at some point, like all of that has to stack up, even as even if they are being a lot more mentally tough than they, they might have been two months ago. It's still it's still gonna hit you. And that's just human nature. There's no way around it. When bad things happen, you're naturally gonna get a little down. That's how your brain works. I think I don't know. I wasn't a psych major. That's what the YouTube videos I watch tell me. I think there is some room to talk about the positives though, because in the two games in the lead up to the or the Oregon game. We saw some really good things, and there was one really big silver lining in the Oregon loss, and that was Olivia Nelson Adota's progress and the way she played. Because in the past, Olivia Nelson Adota fairly, I would say, had gained the reputation that she didn't show up for big games. She didn't show up against teams with size. Well, you're going up against an Oregon team that has Niara Saboli and Sedona Prince. And Nelson Adota had the best game of her career. She was really UConn's only consistently good player. Caroline Ducharme led the team with 22 points, but she also had five turnovers. She didn't shoot it well. Olivia Nelson Adota had 17 points, I believe, seven of nine shooting, only player above 50% from the field. She rebounded the ball. She assisted the ball. She only had one turnover the entire game. This was the player that we saw very, very briefly in that first half against South Carolina. This is the player we've seen at times against bad teams. This is the first time it's come out for an entire game, for a big game against a good team with size, with good players in the post. This is the Olivia Nelson Adota that UConn has been waiting for for four seasons. It has taken her until the last semester of her college career to get there, but she's gotten there for one game. I don't mean to say that she's <laughs> definitely going to stay there at that level every single night, but she's shown that she can do it once. And that's where you at least have to start. Yeah. Olivia was fantastic in this game. I think, you know, regardless of the final result, she definitely deserves the props for this game. I mean, he said, I mean, she scored the ball. Well, she rebounded, I think defensively too. I mean, Naira Savale only had seven points. So Dota Prince had 14, but she scored, I want to say, all 14 of those points on mid-range jumpers. So it's not like she was taking the ball to live in the post at all. So defensively, she had a great game. Offensively as well, which I think is maybe the area that she doesn't usually show up in as much. So that was really positive to see. 
honestly, if they, UConn had, didn't have so many turnovers trying to get the ball to her in the post, she probably would have had more points too. So I think just a really, really solid game from her. You know, she did a little bit of everything. She's a player that's been doing a little bit of everything all season long. She rebounds well. You know, she distributes the ball well from inside the block shots. But then to see her, you know, go out there and score a ton of points, be the best player on the floor for UConn, I think was a really positive development. There was one point at the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, where she was on the bench, and it was Aaliyah Edwards and Dorky Uhas in the game for UConn. And it was kind of a point where Oregon had started to take control. And I remember thinking, hmm, a little weird that Liv isn't in the game, but just out of habit, I went, okay, well, she probably picked up two fouls. I'm not great at tracking stats in my own head. I really need them in front of me to know how many people have for fouls, points, rebounds, anything of that nature. So I clicked and I, she might've had one foul or no fouls. It was something small. And I'm like, okay, well, has she turned the ball over a few times? And she didn't. And she had only missed one shot maybe by that point she might not even have missed a shot by that point and I'm looking through the stats and I'm clicking and I'm trying to rack my brain like was there something that I missed here like why is Liv not in the game everything that I'm looking at right here points to UConn playing better when Liv's in the game everything that I've seen in this game they've been better when she's out there I can't figure it out and I think I fired off a tweet and then pretty much immediately when it hit the internet paper She came into the game and not that it made a huge difference, but they were just a different team with that, with her out there in that game. It was just, it it felt like a very peak Olivia Nelson Adota performance because there's never any point where it felt like she was totally dominating, totally taking over, but she was just, as you said, doing the little things, picking up little stones and turning them into piles where every little thing helps. and. Yeah, UConn lost by 13, an essentially 20-point loss, but Olivia nelson Adota was the only one that really showed up consistently and had a really strong game with no ifs, ands, or buts. She was really good regardless. No qualifiers, which is the first time in her career, again, that we've ever been able to say anything like that for Olivia nelson Adota. Yeah, and something that stuck out to me too is even at the end of the game, right? They were it was like five minutes left. They're still down by 15, 16 points. Like they're not winning this game. But like she just it felt like she was like, you know, hyping up Avina, trying to get them to knock down shots, had a lot of energy. And I think in the past we've seen live like when things aren't going well, she kind of shuts down. And I don't think we saw that at all against Oregon. Like they were clearly losing that game and she was still trying to, you know, get everyone going. So I think just like that mindset shift is important too. There's also one thing that the cameras caught that I found really interesting that I haven't really thought about since the game, but I can't remember what the exact situation was, but they showed the court and it was Olivia Nelson, Adota and Sedona Prince and Prince was talking to Liv and Liv was smiling and it was really hard to tell if they were just, I think it was out of a timeout. So I don't think it was while the game was happening. So it was tough to tell. Was that them just chatting about something in the game, which feels like a little bit of a weird spot for that to happen. Or was Prince trying to smack talk live and live just giving the smile like, okay, you, you can't stop me. So why am I even going to respond to this? I, it's one of those things that we're never actually going to get a true <laughs> answer to because lives never going to actually come out and say like, oh no, she was all over me. And I just told her that I was going to body bag her. 
obviously <laughs> that, that would never happen. But if that w- was the case where it was a little bit of talk between the two, I think it makes it that much better that that's the game that Liv came out and came alive. Maybe teams need to start pissing her off more because maybe <laughs> that's the key to Liv being consistent and avoiding the problems that have plagued her throughout her career. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who knows? Maybe. But yeah, I mean, I think overall, like, we'll see if he does it with consistency, because like we've said about all the seniors, consistency seems to be the, the reoccurring problem with them. But I think it's still a bright spot. I think right now when you're watching this team, like with they're missing so many key pieces, a lot of it is like looking at where things are coming together. And then, OK, like when you add in Kristen Williams and when you add in Paige Beckers, well, how does it all piece together? So I think if this is something that Liv can be more consistent, I'm not saying she's has 17 points every night, but she can just consistently go out there, play a good game, hit some good shots, you know, get the rebounds, everything that she did in that game. Adding that in when they have everything is going to be huge for this team when you're trying to look at like what's the picture like for March. I don't want to look too far ahead because there's two games that happened before then, but next Thursday at South Carolina, that could be a really interesting game for Olivia Nelson Adota, especially if Kristen Williams isn't back and basically UConn is going to be hopeless going into that one there. I just, I can see a path to them getting an upset, a very narrow path, a very low possibility path but a path to them somehow pulling off an upset if they had their full complement of healthy players right now basically everyone not named az page or aubrey griffin without kristen i don't think it's even a remote possibility which i don't know the last time we'd even talk about a yukon game where they really had no chance at winning a game again still far off a lot of things can happen between now and then but if you get to that game and that's the case You have to look at the individual performances as opposed to what happens with the team. And Nelson Adota showed that she could play with South Carolina for a half. She played really good for one half. Can she build on that performance? Can she build on the Oregon performance? If she can have even just a good game, not even let's say 10 points, seven rebounds and commits two fouls and two turnovers somewhere in that range and just looks good out there and helps the team while she's out there. I think that would be another really good progress for her. Obviously still far off, but we do have a nice stretch where we're not going to be able to know a whole lot about the team, but I think we can learn a lot about individuals and especially live over these next couple of weeks. Yeah, and in addition to those kind of couple things that you mentioned for her in that game, I think it's also like really telling what Aaliyah Boston does in that game up against her. I think we saw that first half of the South Carolina game back in November went well for UConn, largely because of Olivia Nelson-Odoto's defense inside. Like she was blocking shots. Aaliyah Boston wasn't having her way in the paint. They're kind of forcing her to step out a little bit. And then, of course, she just went off in the paint as she does in the second half and like Olivia Boston's still going to get her points, but if she doesn't drop, you know, 20 in that game and Liv can kind of defend her well, I think that's a really good sign for this team too. Yeah. And even on the defensive end, it should only fall partially to live with that right. because Aaliyah Boston is just so good that I don't know if there's a single player in the country anywhere that can probably, <laughs> yeah, that, that can defend her. So lives a part of that. She's the biggest part of that. But Dorky Yuhas and Aaliyah Edwards haven't really been good enough. Well, 
they've both had their moments, but it hasn't been consistently good enough, which again, very big theme here that we continue coming back to. They're going to be a big part in that too, but it'll come down to live doing her part there. And if she does her part and the other two don't show up, or if the rest of it falls apart around her, then there's only so much one player can do, but yeah, I agree. It's going to be a very, very interesting battle in what probably won't be a very interesting game. Yeah. Unless they have Chris and Williams back, then maybe it'll get interesting, but we have no idea. So we'll see. (laughs) Well, even still, just to look ahead briefly, Gino said that they found out that Kristen was not going to be able to play on Sunday. So let's just look at a perfect case scenario. And it would be that she's in isolation for five days. So that would mean that Kristen just gets out of isolation. I believe if I'm doing my math right, either Friday or Saturday, I'm not actually positive how the days get counted. Then as Gino said earlier in the year, he generally wants players to have five days of practice after they come out of isolation in order to be able to play a game. Maybe if Kristen's only out for five days and she misses six days total, he dropped that down. We don't know, but that's just the information we've been given. So let's assume that she's out of isolation on Friday. Five days of practice would mean that she would be back exactly for that South Carolina game. But again, that's if everything goes perfectly it would mean she's out of isolation immediately. She comes back and is ready to go and practice right away. I think a lot would have to go right for her to play in that game. It's not impossible. We don't really know what her situation is. We'll find out more tomorrow when Gino talks, hopefully. I think that's probably unlikely that we see her, though. Yeah, I think, like you said, everything has to go perfectly, and things going perfectly for this team has not been a trend we've been seeing this year, so... Theoretically, it's going to turn around at some point, right? It has to. <laughs> Hopefully, Maybe. in you know March, like that's when they would love it to turn around. So <laughs> we can save all the good luck up for that, I guess. <laughs> we say that, but at the same time, some seasons are just cursed. Yep. <laughs> Very well, could be one of them. It could have been so much worse though when Nico went down oh, in yeah. the first half against Oregon. And it didn't look good initially because it was upper body. Then she just comes right back after the timeout. Like imagine UConn, they are so close to disaster right now. So, so close. They are on a razor edge where one, one and a half things more goes wrong. And suddenly you can't actually fill out a normal functional lineup. It is that close. Again, they don't even have a. We're getting to the point where they might have to start holding walk on tryouts. Honestly, <laughs> go find your newest Autumn Chasson or Tierney Lawler or Brianna Polito, one of them. You might just need the body in practice, if anything. If one more of these guards gets COVID or gets hurt, like you're in a situation where you have to play three bigs of the whole game, that's not an ideal situation at all. Yeah, and that doesn't even factor in foul trouble or anything yeah. like that either. There does seem to be some good news with AZ, though. Gino said that they got positive news recently. I forget what his time frame was exactly, but she started running on a treadmill. She started running more, and sounds like she's getting back to basketball activities. 
I don't know what that means for her timeline. If she'll be back against Seton Hall or not, if she'll be back against St. John's, if she'll be back against South Carolina, she won't be back for any of them. Don't really know that, but there's at least progress there. It seems like things are pointing in the right direction, even if this has taken a long time. Yeah, exactly. I think how long it's taken is obviously not ideal because this team could very much use another guard and someone that can shoot the three-point shot. But I think, you know, the timeline, even if she's just back in practice at this point, at least she's starting to integrate in with playing with this group and getting up to speed because, I mean, as a freshman especially, like she's only played a few games. So I think there's definitely some work to be done for her to kind of integrate with the lineup. All right, I want to work backwards because I feel like the Butler and the Xavier games are both really interesting to talk about. And they come with the caveat that both teams are really bad, but that's not the point in that. If you can only look at the games that UConn plays against bad teams and say, oh, well, of course they should kill them. That's expected. You're not wrong, but at the same time, you're missing the point in why you're playing those games because what we saw from UConn this entire season up until the Butler game was they were winning games, but they weren't running away with them. We hadn't seen a vintage blowout where it was wire to wire. UConn just dominated from start to finish. We finally saw that against Butler. It wasn't to the same degree against Xavier, but Xavier's also a better team. I mean, Butler had one win when UConn played them. Xavier was at least a game below 500. So both bad, different levels of bad. But you need to look at the performance and what the performance means. And as Gino said after the Butler game, and he repeated it against Xavier, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. UConn wasn't playing the way that they wanted to play. They did that. They asserted their dominance. They just did what they wanted to do on the court, regardless of who the opponent was. They didn't just win with their talent. And I thought that was a big step forward for this team. Again, with the caveat that both teams were bad, but the opponent really isn't what we were looking at here. It was strictly what UConn was doing and what they were doing on the court wasn't something that we had seen all season. Exactly. I mean, they've played in a lot of close games this season and get that they've played a tough schedule, but I think just seeing them come out and dominate wire to wire, the seniors all play well, isn't something we've seen. So I think there's a lot of positives to take away from that it felt like they just played differently they you know it felt like they knew what they were doing on offense and while yeah okay Butler's not a great team I think a lot of what we've seen with issues on their offense hasn't necessarily been the factor of a great defense that they're playing but just like a lot of unforced errors a lot of just like looking stagnant so I think even seeing that kind of come together somewhat against a team like Butler is a move in the right direction After the Xavier game, I wrote a story that UConn was finally finding its identity without Paige Beckers in these two games. And even with the Oregon game, I still feel very strongly about this. Those games against bad teams allow them to figure out how they need to play and whether or not they can do it against better teams. Even a team like Seton Hall coming up on Friday, who's not great, but should still give them a bit of a challenge. It gave them their formula of what they need to do to play well without Paige Beckers. And it starts with good defense, which for the most part, they've gotten all season long. Like I said earlier, it's not an elite defense that can single-handedly win games, but it's going to be good enough to win you 95% of games, I would say. Then it's the seniors leading the way. 
specifically Nelson and Dota and Kristen Williams were both really, really good in those two games against Butler and Xavier. They were the ones that were carrying the team and it made everybody else's contributions that much more valuable because you knew what you were getting out of those two. And then everything else was just being added on top, which is why it was such a lopsided score. Then you're also getting Caroline Ducharme just continually being a go-to scorer for this team. I believe it's four out of the last five games. She's led the team in scoring. She's averaging 19.8 points per game since the UCLA game. She's been really good, really consistent. And back to the point of the seniors, when the seniors are doing what they're doing, and now you've got a freshman adding almost 20 points a game every single night, at the very least double digit points, that is a really good formula. And then you get the return of Nika Mule, who can pull all the strings and tie it all together. You get a true point guard out there, something that you were lacking once Paige and her went out. And then finally, the last part is all the pieces are actually coming together. If the defense was playing well and the seniors were playing well and Caroline was playing well and Nika was playing well, but they weren't all fitting together for whatever reason, that wouldn't be all that helpful. But after Xavier, Gino mentioned how they finally looked like they were playing like a team. It wasn't like earlier in the year where it was just Paige and four other players or against Louisville where it was five players on the court at once, but not really playing in sync and playing with a flow. They seemed to find the team aspect of it and the offense was leading to defense. And a couple of times in the Xavier game, it was Liv would get a block and then she would give it out to Kristen Williams. And then Kristen Williams would find Avina Westbrook on the fast break. And that's how they were getting a lot of their points. So that's the formula for UConn to win games without Paige Beckers, whether or not they can execute it on a consistent basis, that still remains to be seen but we have the formula. We have the blueprint. We have the plans. It's a matter of execution, not whether not trying to figure out what the identity is. Yeah. And I think that's really important because I think a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, this team really had no idea what their identity was still without page backers. And part of that's like, they had played what, you know, three games without her that were spread apart by two weeks and then they didn't play for three weeks. So you can only ask so much of them, but I think understanding what that identity is, is a really big step into kind of executing on it and putting it together on the court when they actually have enough available pieces, not like when they're without Kristen Williams. Too. Right. Yeah. They finally got some consistent games and Caroline even said it after the Xavier game, she felt a big part of the reason they were playing better was because they spent so much time in practice over the last few weeks working on what they need to improve. The games finally allowed them to try and put those things into practice. And then when you get into games and you try certain things, you can figure out what works and doesn't work. You can go back, use the practice days and the time off in between the games, make those corrections, make some more fixes, and then go out there, play again. And it's a continual process. And we saw that over the first three games until they lost Kristen. Against Creighton, really, they were just trying to get back after being away for so many days playing that game and getting out healthy and winning those were the only things that mattered everything else was a bonus then butler again they took that big step forward and played their best game of the season and xavier not as dominant of a performance but still a really good showing and then we get to the oregon game as we mentioned earlier a lot harder to show progress but 
even without Kristen Williams, presumably for the next two games, you can still make a little progress in your own identity with this current version. And then ideally you add her back in against South Carolina. And even if you don't get her back for South Carolina, you can still figure out the individual things you need to do. And you can still test yourself against a really good opponent individually. So that's another really important part is we're finally seeing them play consistent games and in the very, very limited sample size we got, and I don't want to make it seem like all of a sudden this team has definitely figured everything out and we know everything we need to know about this team, but in the very limited sample size we got before Oregon, we did see progress every single time. And I think that's important. Yeah, exactly. I think so. And I think you can see a little bit of progress in the, even in the Oregon game, like there's only so much you can take away when, you know, they barely had enough players to field the team, but like, I think seeing what Olivia did is progress, seeing that Carolina is consistently delivering, even if she doesn't shoot the wall, that wall against, and especially against a team like Oregon is progress. So there's still some progress, maybe not as notable. And it's hard to be like, Oh, there's progress when they lose by what felt like 20 points, but I think given what was available, you can still find some things to point into in that game that are progress. All right. I need to briefly light the internet on fire. I am (laughs) going to compare Caroline Ducharme to Paige Beckers. So buckle in. Oh God. (laughs) Paige Beck or Caroline Ducharme is really starting to remind me of Paige Beckers freshman season in the sense that almost every single game, she's doing things that make you go, wow. Like that's a freshman out there or she's just wowing you every single game with something different. And I'm not putting her on the same level as Paige last year because Paige was unbelievable. There's a reason she was the only freshman ever to win national player of the year. And as good as Caroline has been, she's nowhere at the level that Paige was is anything like that. But there's just a consistent progress in her game. And there's just so much so much of a wow factor, like the, the spinning layup that she had against Oregon was one of those things that felt very Paige Beckers esque where it's, they both just find ways to score regardless of how it looks, regardless of how it happens, everything like that. And Oregon was putting a ton of defensive attention on Caroline Ducharme and she was still finding ways to score and her shot wasn't falling. So she was going inside and scoring that way and posting up. In that sense, it's feeling similar to Paige Becker's freshman year, and there's just so many wow moments and so many times where what she's doing is so impressive that you just, you got to take a moment to appreciate it because it's so impressive that she's doing it all as a freshman, all despite barely doing anything at the start of the year too. At least Paige was going from day one and was great from day one. Caroline was a bench warmer for the first four or five games until that Notre Dame game. And then she finally emerged. So it's just been quite a development for her. And in that sense, it reminds me of Paige Beckers, not comparing her to Paige Beckers. <laughs> okay. I will give you that. She's definitely been impressive. I was like, I didn't know where you're going with this. You're like, you know, Paige Beckers. I was like, oh God. Um, but I yeah, keep you she's on your definitely toes. been impressive. And her game does develop every game. And I think that's really critical um, thing that we're seeing. She does get better every game and there's something new that she's doing. So I think that's 
that's a really positive sign. And it's also, I think, a sign that, you know, things are going to continue to get better and that she's going to be a big contributor on this team even when they have Paige Beckers back, which is just going to make them that much better when you get to that point, which is kind of ultimately what all this is leading up to, right, is like getting Paige Beckers back in the fold and then you have the team that you're really hoping to have. And that day is getting closer and closer, even if we don't know exactly when it is. We're at least approaching February. She's off crutches. She's seems like she's in a better mood. I remember seeing her before one of the other games and you could just see in her eyes how much it sucked for her to be sidelines, to not be playing, but it feels like her spirits have been a little higher now that she seems to be progressing. Gino has been pretty optimistic about her recovery. So we don't really have a great sense of where it is, but at the very least, it seems like things are moving in the right direction to the point that she'll be back ideally at some point in February. And hopefully this team's in a spot where it's a plug and play. It's not, she's got to resuscitate them and pick them up and start dragging them along. And if they can get back to where they were against Butler and Xavier and start to show it against some of the better teams in the big East, then we're really talking about a team that could take off once Paige gets back. And once AZ gets back, we don't even know what AZ can do. We, I don't even count what we saw from AZ at the beginning of the year of, of who she really is, because I think that foot injury really limited her. We don't have any idea of what AZ is capable of. And if Caroline can be doing this, there's no reason to think that AZ can't be doing this. And that's not a knock on Caroline. That actually sounded <laughs> really bad. Like I was saying, if Caroline, no, but, I think AZ could also be a really big factor here that is, she's just a wild card. I think that's the best way to put it. She's a massive wild card and it'll be exciting when she's finally back too. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we've seen the surface of what she can do yet. So it's exciting that she'll be back in the fold soon as well, because I think that could be a big step for this team. But even if she doesn't end up coming out and having this great rest of her freshman season, I just think, you know, some of these things that we're starting to see, like if Liv can be consistently good, that's not something you were seeing at the beginning of the year when Paige Beckers was playing. Caroline's coming out and scoring 20 points was obviously not something happening when you had Paige Beckers on the floor. Not that she needs to score 20 points every night when you have Paige back, but the fact that she's able to come out and be a big contributor on offense alongside Beckers will be huge. So there's just like kind of all these smaller things that are starting to come out in these games that if we keep seeing them without Paige, hopefully we're going to see them with her. That's going to make this team a lot better than it was what, a month and a half, two months ago, a month and a half ago when Paige Becker was, was on the floor. Yeah. Caroline doesn't need to score 20 points when Paige gets back, but what would stop her from doing it anyways? That's, exactly. that's what I keep thinking of. She's so good right now. She has to only get better when she has a point guard like Paige. That's not only going to be taking a ton of defensive attention away. She's going to be spreading the floor with her shooting ability and she can make a pass pretty much wherever she wants. And as we've seen already, Caroline is extremely dangerous when she starts getting towards the basket, whether it's posting up, whether it's back cuts again, not saying she will continue to score 20 points, but I think, there's a good chance she could still be the number two scorer on this team. Even when Paige gets back, I think she's really been that good, that consistent, which is so rare to see from a freshman, especially with such a team that should be so senior led and senior heavy plus Paige when she does get back. So I don't know. I think this guy really could be the limit for Caroline because Paige coming back would, I feel like 
just be more pressure off of her as opposed to cutting into her production. And even if it does cut into her production, her overall game, I still think would improve. Yeah, it might not be 20 points, but it's going to be 15 points, probably a lot more efficiently. So that's, you know, that's still definitely a win. Yeah, I think a lot of things, too, when you look at, like, Olivia and Nelson Dota having a really good game in that Oregon game, and there was a lot of passes that just, like, didn't quite get into her page, is going to hit that pass mm-hmm. every time. So then, you know, she's going to be able to score more, just small things like that, too, that, like, I mean, obviously, there's lots of big things that having page backers back will do, but things like that, too, where you can see kind of where these players are stepping up and then how that can get even better when you've got a player like page backers on the floor. We've gotten to a point where it's like, all right, we've seen, we get it. We, we know what they're capable of without Paige. They figured out their identity. It, it's almost like you want to just skip a few chapters in this book and be like, all right, let, let's get back to the point where, where we get AZ. Let's plug that in and see what it looks like. All right. We, we know what that looks like. Let's just fast forward a little further. Now we got Paige back. Okay. Now we can actually start to cover this team for real. And we can start to make judgments about what this team looks like right now, instead of as we've had to do for the last month plus where, ah, you know, this looks good. That looks good. This could improve when Paige gets back. You know, how is this going to factor in? It's still all hypotheticals right now. It's going to be nice when we can get back to more concrete terms. Yeah, exactly. I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm sure everyone else is too. On that note, that'll do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. UConn has two games coming up before we record against Seton Hall at Gamble Pavilion on Friday, and then they will travel to St. John's on Sunday, the 23rd. Two Big East matchups against New York area teams. You can follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel V. Connolly. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Leave a review, tell a friend. I know I've said this approximately 15 times before or since the summer. We might actually have some progress on getting our own feed for this show. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Be sure to read the Yukon blog, sign up for the Yukon Women's Basketball Weekly. To close this show full circle, we started talking about how Yukon is very snake bitten and bad luck. Megan, what is your number one go to lucky charm? Oh. I don't really have good luck. I don't even know that I have a good a luck <laughs> I have like horrible luck to the point where I literally think I won a board game on Christmas with my family. And I think it is the first time in my entire life that I have won a family board game. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Remind me not to have you buy me a lottery ticket anytime. Yeah, just really bad luck. <laughs> All right. Well, I attempted to end the show on a positive note. Megan just had other plans. So that'll do it from us. Thanks for listening, I guess.